you want to open your Bibles, I'm going to go to a couple of places. I want to make sure I tell you the right one that I want to go to first. We're going to be in Romans 8 and in 2 Timothy. Romans 8 and 2 Timothy. Well, I'm glad you're still here, yeah? <laughs> Everyone leaves. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, Father, I know that you've uh, set today, um, and you've asked me, and you've prepared me to deal with the spirit of fear. And so, Father, I ask right now that fear would leave the room. We tie up and we bind the spirit of fear and the spirit of torment. And we cast it out. We ask that your love would come, Father, and drive it away. I pray, God, that today you would open our hearts and our minds and give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we may know you better. I pray that your word would find a place in our heart and that it would drive out all fear. That your word would be established in us as our foundation and as our default and that a spirit of fear will be foreign to us. God, I'm asking for your Holy Spirit to come and be the cure today. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We are so glad that Jesus sent you to us. You are the perfect helper. And I welcome you, Holy Spirit, to minister to every person here and to drive out fear and for you to be their paraclete, the one who walks with them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. <clears throat> so just to, just to set a foundation, I'm... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach, but then I'm also, I, I felt like the Lord gave me revelation on this topic that I've, I've never taught from some of this angle before, and I know that it, it will bring breakthrough today. So, so uh, as we go through the message, really guard your thoughts, really, really try not to be distracted. I, I, I saw someone yesterday, we had a memorial for my, my grandfather and uh, my papa, and um, uh, Karen Garcia was there. She used to go to our church. And so, hi, Karen. I love you. I was glad to see you yesterday. She listens every, every Tuesday to the podcast. And so I told her I want to tell her hello. So, hello, Karen. And uh, I love you, Karen. Good to see you. Um, so there are some definitions. The scripture says over and over again, do not fear. 
every time an angel would appear to someone or Jesus would appear to someone, they would say, do not fear, don't be afraid. Um, God would give commands to Joshua and to generals in the Bible. He'd say, don't be afraid and don't be dismayed. He would say these things. And so I wanted to, to outline real quick what some of those words, the definitions are, because there is a fear, and the Bible says that, that fear in itself is neither good nor bad. Did you know that? Did everyone know that that's true, that fear is not good or bad? It is an emotion, and what we do with it can be good or bad. Amen? Did you know that anger also is not good or bad, but what we do with anger can be good or bad? That's why the Bible says, in your anger, don't sin. It didn't say don't be angry. Because it's an emotion, like you're going to feel anger. And if the Lord said, don't be angry, and you felt anger, what would we think? Oh, there's something wrong with me because I'm angry, and he told me not to be angry. So there are these emotions that we have that aren't good or bad. And fear can be a really good thing. And I know I taught on this a few months back, but, you know, telling the kids to be afraid of strangers is not a bad fear for kids to have. Stranger danger is not a, a, a spirit of fear. A spirit of fear is something that's a little bit different than just fear itself. See, a spirit of fear is actually fear that is anointed from the demonic realm. See, when we use the term anointed, when we talk about godly things, like the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. That word anointed means set apart for a purpose. It means empowered. It means um, strengthened, fortified. And so... A spirit of fear is when the enemy seizes fear that's natural and he anoints it with the demonic force, with demonic principalities and powers, and he takes hold of it so that it serves his purposes of destruction in our life. That is a spirit of fear. So in the Bible, when you see the word fear, um, there's the word yare. It means to tremble in awe and reverence. Fear the Lord. Tremble in fear and awe and reverence. So that's not a bad fear. Then there's one called pakad. I don't know if I'm saying these correctly or not, so I'm not a, a Hebrew or Greek scholar, but I play one on TV. No. Um, <laughs> awe and respect is what that means. Awe and respect. Then there's one called katath, and it means to be dismayed, to be broken or shattered. There's another called phobos. We get the word phobia from it, even to this day. It means dread or terror. Then there's a, another version of that word phobos, and it's phobio. It means to put to flight, to run away from in fright. Then there's a word called ima, and it means terror, like, like terrorized, to be fright-filled. Then there's another one called arats, and it means oppression, the expectation of bad, the feeling of impending doom, Worry, that's fear. Everyone's still good? How many have heard of Aristotle, the great philosopher? This is what he said fear was. He said fear is pain arising from the anticipation of evil. Fear is pain rising up from our soul because we expect evil to happen. <clears throat> There's two more I want to say. It's called dagah, and it means heaviness or anxieties. And then the last one is called Dahlia, and it's going to be in one of our scriptures today. It's cowardice or timidity. 
So these are all very, and there's many more. I didn't even go through all of them. There's a lot of different variations of it. But they all somewhat come back to these definitions. And so I want to say that um, fear is neither good or bad, but a spirit of fear is anointed by the demonic realm for the enemy's purposes to steal, kill, and to destroy. So fear can serve good purposes. It can protect our children. It can protect us from making bad decisions. It can protect us from, from, from trusting uh, someone who we shouldn't trust so much. Maybe we should a little bit, but not so much. Like fear can really serve us well, but a spirit of fear never serves our best interest. A spirit of fear always looks to control us, to destroy us, and to weigh us down with burdens that we weren't ever made to carry. And so um, I want to say that anyone, anytime we struggle with a spirit of fear, we're not really struggling with fear. We don't have a problem with fear. We have a problem with love. We have a problem with love. All right, y'all ready? Let's go to Romans 8. I'm going to pull this from over here. You know what? I like this translation better. Romans 8, let's do 15 through 18. So we're in Romans 8, 15 through 18. And so as we go into this, this next topic, this section, um, this is foundational because um, a spirit of fear comes from identity crisis. When we don't know who we are and we don't know who God is, it gives fear an opportunity to seize upon us and, and form us into what the enemy thinks that we should. And so uh, let's go to Romans 8, verse 15. And uh, you, you guys know this is a famous chapter. It starts off with, There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus set me free from the law of sin and death. How many knows the last couple of weeks I've, I've spoken on sin conscious versus grace conscious? And this is where this comes in and ties everything in today to the spirit of fear. All right. In Romans 8 verse 15, it says, The spirit you received does not make you slaves again to fear. (laughs) So there is a spirit of fear that will make you a servant again. But this spirit that God gives us doesn't do that to us. Right? Rather, the spirit you received has brought about an adoption where you are now sons and daughters. And by that spirit, we cry out. What does it say? Abba. Say it with me. Abba. Daddy, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. See, the reason that's important is because in the, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, it said, let every uh, word be established in the witness of two or three. So if they would have causes, if they have things they were trying to settle, it would be settled when two or three witnesses had said, yes, that's what happened. So he's saying this spirit that God has given us, the Holy Spirit, bears witness with our spirit that we are God's sons and daughters. And therefore, it establishes that truth inside of us. Amen? Now, if we are God's children, then we are heirs. And if we are heirs, then we're heirs of God, then we're co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Amen? So what is this saying? If we are law conscious, then we, we have come under the influence of a different spirit than the Holy Spirit. 
Because the law says that we're not sons and daughters. The law breaks covenant with us. But Holy Spirit says you are sons and you are daughters. Amen? Y'all bear with me, okay? We did not receive a spirit of bondage and fear. Now, the root of a spirit of fear is this, all right? It's the belief that I deserve to be punished or that other people deserve to be punished. Listen to me. The root of a spirit of fear comes from the belief that I deserve to be punished or other people deserve to be punished. That's where fear comes from. That's why the spirit of fear is empowered by a sin-conscious mindset. It's that impending doom that, well, I deserve punishment. I did something wrong. I broke the law. I, I, I messed up over here. Or someone else, they should get what they deserve. When I, if I ever have that rise up inside of me where, where man, I'm really glad when someone gets punished for, for doing wrong, I have come under a spirit of fear, and I don't even know it. Is everyone still good? Like I, I, I have a bullseye on fear today because it has so many ramifications in the church world that we can't live with anymore. I, I, we've said this before, and I've heard it said a lot, that fear is the most natural thing in church. We just let it, we, we allow it to stay here. You know, uh, uh, homosexuality, we gripe at. Abortion, we complain about. You know, infidelity, we rile, we get all angry and we get all, you know, righteous about it. But we have a spirit of fear and we're like, oh, it's okay and we baby it. No, it's all the same. A spirit of fear cannot be something that we overlook. Amen? We have received a spirit of adoption. We're sons and daughters. We are not wicked servants who deserve God's wrath. Jesus took the wrath that we deserved so that we could become sons and daughters. It's really hard for us to rationalize this in our, in our minds, but, but sin was punished. Does everyone believe that? Let's start there. Do you believe that sin for all mankind from past all the way into the future was taken care of and punished in Jesus? Do we all, will you give me a thumbs up if you believe that? So that means that the cry of the law for punishment was satisfied. So now God is in a new epoch, E-P-O-C-H, An epoch is a way in which God deals with mankind in a different season. Under the old law, God had a wrath for sin. And there was this cry for punishment because sin had not been taken care of. But in this new epoch, Jesus became the punishment. He didn't just take it. He took every bit of it upon himself and became our punishment so that we can live now with zero fear of punishment. If I believe I deserve to be punished, or if I believe that other people should be punished when they do wrong, then I open myself up to a spirit of fear. And I want to say it again. There is fear that is good, that can serve God's purposes. But a spirit of fear is influenced and anointed by demonic realms. So whenever I have this, (laughs) ha-ha, they got what they deserved, I have opened myself to a spirit of fear. That's why the Bible says vengeance is mine, says God. He tells us not to take out this vengeance on other people or or this vengeance upon mankind because God's the only one that can do that. He's the God. He's the judge, not, not us. And when we think, oh, they deserve punishment, it opens us up to a spirit of fear. So we're not wicked servants. We're his children. 
We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. How many believe that? So we're good with God. He's happy with us, right? We still live properly. But there's not this weighty oppression over us that says, you just get a little bit out of line and I'm going to slap you back in line. God doesn't treat us like that. Amen? I love the scripture in Psalm that says he will guide us with his eye. I want to be, I, I just want him to look at me and say, no, do you really want to do that? <laughs> Not angry, but Jared, do you, are, you sure, are you sure? Is that your final answer? <laughs> you know? <clears throat> so if we're, we're with, we have no fear of punishment. I, I don't deserve punishment because Jesus Christ became that punishment. That's freeing. That's, that sets us free. Amen. Everyone's still okay. So not only that, we are heirs of God and we are joint heirs with Christ Jesus. And when we don't know who we are, when we don't know our identity as sons and daughters who are accepted by the Father, loved by the Father, then the enemy seizes that and steals our identity and he tries to make us feel like you're horrible, you deserve punishment, you get out of line and God's going to slap you back in line. Or we become the Christian police and we think everyone deserves punishment when they do wrong and we point out, oh, they, they should get all oh, they got. But they, and then what it's done is it opens us up to demonic attack from a spirit of fear. When we allow a spirit of fear to make its residence inside of us or to become natural or common to us, we will fall under a spell of control. Would you say the word control? Control. Fear is damaging. The spirit of fear, let me say it right. A spirit of fear is damaging to the individual and is damaging to the culture. If in my home, it's impossible, if, if I come under the influence of, of a spirit of fear in my home, it is impossible for that not to affect the culture of my home. Because what, what will take place is that spirit of fear invites a spirit of manipulation and control to come in to where now I am being empowered by control. Let's, let's explain this and break it down just a little bit. Control, to me, is the outward manifestation of internal spirit of fear. So because internally I'm, I'm bound with a spirit of fear, I outwardly am manifesting control, all right? And control is partnership with the spirit of fear. I know it's heavy. It's heavy. <laughs> but we were called to walk in liberty, not control, not fear, not punishment, liberty. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I, I, I want to tell it like this. So yesterday we had memorial for my papa, and, and I felt like, you know, all the family was going to preach. And it's, everyone's a preacher. And Manny's like, oh, great. I bet everyone that got up there had a sermon. And you guys were there. You know, it was a lot of sermons yesterday. yesterday. Some short, some long, but they were all sermons. And uh, I, I didn't want to take long, but I did want to say this, that Kyle wrote something about my papa, and he said um, that he never, uh, papa never hurt my feelings. Like he never did anything to hurt my feelings. And I was thinking, hmm, papa hurt my feelings. <laughs> and my dad leaned over to me and goes, he hurt your feelings, didn't he? I said, yeah, he did. And what he didn't know was I'd already been talking about what I wanted to share about my papa was he was such a humble man and such a loving man that um, if you offended him or if you hurt him in any way or if you disappointed him, 
he hated to bring it up to you so much so that if he got angry with you, he would almost cry as he's telling you. He was that kind of a man. You'd hear it in his voice. Like he absolutely hated that he's mad at you. He's so angry at you, but he hates it. And I remember I did that to him a few times. And, and uh, the day that, that I found out that he had passed away, I was driving home picking the kids from school. And all I could hear was his voice when he was angry with me. And it wasn't a bad thing. Like normally that would be like a torment. Like, man, you, you're messed up, Jared. That, that, that's what you're thinking of. But it was, I valued it. Because what my papa did was he communicated to me, you disappointed me, Jared. I'm really upset. You know better than this, right? And then he loved me after that. He didn't punish me. He didn't withdraw from me. He, as a man, said, this is how I'm experiencing you right now. He didn't know anything about Danny Silk or keep your love on or any of this stuff, but that's how he lived. You really hurt me and made me angry here, and I'm telling you, and then I'm going to let you know I'm done, and I'm going to love you as if nothing ever happened, and I trust you as a man, Jared, to make the adjustment. And that's, that's love. There was no fear of my papa punishing me. There was no fear of him withdrawing from me. He loved me. And all I could think about was I didn't struggle with the spirit of fear because of these things, right? And, and I wanted to bring that out today because God, he may bring things up to us, but he's not looking to punish us. He trusts us to make the adjustments. He trusts his word in us to, to bring us into alignment. Does that make any sense? But, but when, I, when I don't deal with that spirit of fear, I move into control where I have to make everyone do what I want to do. I have to know what everyone's doing so that I can be okay. Control seeks to manage all the possible circumstances, even the people around us, because if everything's not the way I want, I'm afraid. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how you're going to respond. I don't know how things are going to operate. So I have to have everything just right. Ouch. (laughs) I have to have everything just right because I need to know how you're going to respond because I'm afraid. Everyone's still okay? We're going somewhere. When we struggle with the spirit of fear, we do this because we require predictability to be okay. I need to know. I, gotta, I can only be okay when I know everything that's about to happen. I have some kids on the soccer team that they ask a million questions. They have to know. When am I going to play? Where am I? So I have to tell them, no questions. No questions. You don't need to know everything. You don't need to know. No questions today. If you ask me any more questions, I'm going to move your name to the bottom of the sub list. You know, they have to know. They can't, they're control. They literally are control freaks. Well, what, what, why are they doing this? Stop with the questions. You don't need to know everything. It's going to be all right. Right? <clears throat> we need this predictability because we don't trust other people. And ultimately, not only do we not trust other people, we don't trust God. Let's go to 2 Timothy 1, verse 6 and 7. I don't think you can preach against the spirit of fear and not go to the, like, the hallmark verse of the spirit of fear. 2 Timothy 1, <clears throat> we'll go to verses 6 and 7. In studying this and thinking about this, um, the Lord revealed and showed me that the Holy Spirit is a cure to the spirit of fear. Would you say that with me? The Holy Spirit is the cure to a spirit of fear. All right, let's read this. Verse 6. For this reason I remind you 
to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Another translation says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and of self-discipline. What does this mean? Well, first of all, Holy Spirit came to give us our inheritance and our identity, to remind us who we are. He jealously defends our identity. Holy Spirit jealously defends our identity. Jesus also said about Holy Spirit that I'm going to send you another helper, someone to go with you and be with you. In verse 6, Paul is talking to Timothy and he's telling him, hey, I want you to remember to stir up that gift that was given to you when I laid hands on you. Now, as I was growing up, I heard it taught, and it's not, I don't think it's incorrect, but I heard it taught that it was like the gift to to manage the church, to lead the church, you know, the spiritual giftings and those things that comes with it. I think he's literally talking about Holy Spirit. I think Paul is saying, don't forget to fan into flame, the original flame, the Holy Spirit, don't forget to fan into flame the gift that was given to you when I laid hands on you. The reason I feel that that's true is because in the book of Acts, it, it says that the Holy Spirit was given by the laying on of hands. And the apostles would lay hands on people and impart gifts to them. And so I know that I don't think it's too far to, to, to believe that there was a coronation service where Paul brings Timothy and he lays his hands upon him and he prays over him and imparts to him an encounter and Holy Spirit came into him through the laying on of hands. I know that happened. And so Paul is reminding him, look, don't forget the Holy Spirit that you received. Don't forget this power that came upon you, right? For God has not, and then he tells him, remember, God did not give you a spirit of fear or timidity. God did not ordain the devil or evil to seize fear that God didn't give to you. He didn't give you that kind of spirit. He gave you a Holy Spirit. And that spirit is full of boldness and power. And he's reminding Timothy, don't let a spirit of fear take hold of you again. You have the Holy Spirit. Amen? I'm going to get fired up. If y'all aren't, I'm going to get fired up on my own, but that's all right. Holy Spirit was given to us, not fear. Not fear. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power. Everyone say power. What did Jesus say? When Holy Spirit comes, you're going to receive power. So this is, again, how I know that Paul is saying this is Holy Spirit that you got, not the spirit of fear, because you were given a spirit of power. That word spirit is pneuma. It means breath. And what did Jesus do to his disciples? He breathed on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. So you didn't receive the spirit of fear. You received the spirit of power. That word power there means dynamis. Jesus said you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That word means literally strength, ability, power for miracles, and moral excellence. This is what you received, not a spirit of fear. Let's keep going through this. So you receive the spirit of power and of love. That word love means agape. We've heard that before. Agape love. It's like the greatest of all loves, right? It's the affection from God. How many knows God is affectionate for us, towards us? He's affectionate, right? 
It's goodwill. This love that God has for us is his goodwill. You find Jeremiah 29, 11, The plans I have for you are to prosper you, not to harm you. See, God's love for us is his goodwill towards us. The next definition of that word love, of agape, means love feasts. How many want a love feast? We read about it. Vivian read it today from Psalm 23. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That's a love feast. God loves us so much, and, and there's no room for a spirit of fear because he loves us. But he loves us so much that even in the presence of all our enemies, he shows his love by preparing a table, a feast for us, so that all our enemies have to look how much he loves us. You anointed my head with oil, and my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. That's the love that we received, not a spirit of fear. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love. Everyone say, There is no fear in love. See, God can't have fear because He is love. And love, He goes on and says, because love involves punishment. There we go. Sin consciousness, punishment. You deserve to be punished. I deserve to be punished. That's not in love. But when love is perfected, it casts out all fear because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. Remember at the beginning I said if we're struggling with the spirit of fear, it's not because we're struggling with fear. It's because we're struggling with love. And when we really receive the love of God, when we receive his love in full, there will be no fear, no spirit of fear to, to come in because love will drive it out at every opportunity. Amen? And then the last thing he says, so you receive the spirit of the Holy Spirit, not a spirit of fear, and you receive the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind, and some says self-discipline, some say discipline, but that word there is sophronismos. Sophronismos. You know what that word comes from? The so is sozo. The nismos is heart and mind. He gave you a spirit of power, love, and of saved, healed, and delivered, a whole heart and mind. When I saw that, I was like, oh, it makes sense now. Discipline is, is a sound mind and heart. Discipline is where I am completely healthy and whole in my heart and my mind. And he said to him, you have not received the spirit of fear, but you received a spirit of discipline. That means in your heart and in your mind, you're settled. There's wholeness to you. You have self-control. You have moderation. You have soundness of mind. You have the ability to take captive every thought and make it be obedient to Christ. You know, when I think of um, a spirit of fear, and if I think I'm trying to drive out the spirit of fear, you, you can't make war with the spirit of fear. You have to surrender to love. You can't say, well, I'm just going to fight you, spirit of fear. I'm going to defeat you, and I'm going I'm to pray in tongues over you, and I'm going to take the word against you and do all these things in warfare to drive out a spirit of fear. What drives out a spirit of fear? Love. Period. Love. The love of God drives out this spirit of fear. He says that that spirit of discipline and self-control is singleness of mind. And James, it says, don't be double-minded. 
Don't go back and forth. What, what, what does that mean in context of what we're speaking of today? Well, double-minded is when I worry about finances and I know God's my provider. What happens? A real fear that, that can serve. If, you're, if you own a business or if you're running the finances of your home and, you, and you're concerned and you have this fear about finances, it can be a good thing because it can say, well, I need to steward better. Or I need to make some changes. I need to make some adjustments. And instead of letting fear become a spirit of fear, it, it, the discipline part kicks in and we make good decisions. But what fear tries to do is undermine our discipline and undermine our wholeness of mind and undermine our thoughts and cause us to be double-minded and say, well, today I know God's my provider, but tomorrow I'm worrying about it. And we're tossed back and forth between two minds. He says, you didn't receive that spirit of fear. When we feel those things, when you feel two things at once, and you know one's true and one's a lie, it is a spirit of fear attacking you. The reason that a spirit of fear cannot, we cannot allow it to stay inside of us, is because it will constantly attempt to move us off of the mark that God has for our life. Fear receives its power and its, let's see, what's, glory. Fear gets its glory. A spirit of fear gets its glory when we make adjustments to appease it. Fear knows and becomes powerful. The spirit of fear becomes powerful when it sees us make decisions with it in mind. Ah. Why is that so dangerous if I do that? Because then I will manifest that realm outwardly for others in control. And I will expect you to maneuver yourself to appease my fear. I just want to go after this. I can't do it with this thing choking me. I have, I am so hungry for a move of God. I don't know, I don't even know how to express it. I don't even know how to show it. If I, if I could get up here and just light myself on fire, I would do that. That's, that's literally how I feel. I feel that if we don't have revival and a move of God, I'm going to die. That's how I feel, honestly. I know my wife feels that way. If there's not a move of God and we're not in the middle of it, then don't leave me here on earth very long. If I'm not in the middle this last week, I saw a video. There was a testimony at the, the Azusa now, and it just made me so hungry. It made me, uh, it stirred my hunger. There was a prophecy from a man named Bob Jones. He's gone on to be with the Lord, but he said that there's coming a billion soul harvest on the earth where a billion souls will enter into the kingdom. And as a matter of fact, he didn't say, he said a billion youth, young souls will enter into the kingdom. And I want to be part of that. And I sat here Monday and Tuesday in this room and cried and cried and cried and said, God, if I'm not part of that, I don't want to live. I don't, I don't, I don't want to do this if I'm not in the middle of that. What does that have to do with today? Because I have seen in my life a spirit of fear come into churches, into families, and its whole job is to undermine that hunger for more of God. The whole, its whole job is to get us to move off this mark that we know God put inside of us. I know over the, the last seven or eight years of pastoring here that, that the thing that we've confronted the most, the thing we've hit the most is this spirit of fear and manip- manipulation and control. 
And every time we've bumped up against it, it's because it wanted to move me and the direction of this church away from what the Lord says. And I've seen it in my dad's church. I've seen it growing up. I've experienced it. It was so strong that when we first came here, if someone cried out in tongues or prayed out, like people would be looking at him like, you need to shut up. (laughs) Like there was this weird, like you're... You need to control yourself because you're making me nervous. And that spirit of control came in there like, well, you can't laugh or you can't be loud. You can't manifest. You can't whatever because you need to manage yourself according to my fears. And that attitude shuts down the move of God because what it does is it says you have to protect my fear and you can't get outside of of something that I'm not really sure about yet. You may be there. I'm not there, but you have to stop because I'm not there. And what it does is it's here not just to undermine my own breakthrough, but a corporate breakthrough in a church. And I know that the Lord asked me and wanted me to, to go after the spirit of fear today because give me revival or let me die is in my heart. And I know the thing that comes against revival is fear because it tries to control. It tries to be a wet blanket. And I'm not going to let that happen. I'm not going to let it happen in my heart. I'm not going to let it happen in my home. I'm not going to let it happen in my church. How many feel that with me? Like this, this, and it is a spirit of fear. It's this, the spirit of fear seizes arrogance and pride and says that you all, we all have to look the same we all have to do things everything the same and believe all these same things or or you're wrong and you need to maneuver yourself differently and this spirit comes in and it's so restrictive it feels like a boa constrictor and i know intercessors have felt it i know you've probably felt it you, you probably felt it through the years this this oh what what is it i don't even know what it is it's a spirit of fear it is a spirit of fear Don't take risk. Don't go after it. Don't make adjustments. Stay where you're at. Just It's okay. Just a little bit of God's okay. It's this thing to try to cut, cut down and control the move of God. And I know that when Mandy and I came here, we told the Lord no shortcuts. And if there's ever a prayer I could go back and edit, it would be that one. <laughs> Lord, let me just go back in time and just edit it just a little bit. Maybe only good shortcuts that you showed me, you know, (laughs) but we prayed that and we meant it and we prayed it in a sincere heart, really in a sincere heart, but I'm ready for revival. I'm ready for revival. And I know when we came and to this point now, someone asked us, what do we really want? I don't know if you, who it was, but it may have been, um, Teresa, somebody that was praying for our house. They said, what, what do you guys want? And what did we tell them? You remember? We want, we want a Bethel revival. Now, when I say Bethel, I don't want to look like Bethel. I just want a move of God like they're having. I don't, whatever it looks like for Arlington and the bridge, that's fine with me. I don't care. I just want to see souls saved, healed, and delivered. And I want to see the excellence that comes with the kingdom. And I know that's what Mandy and I want. And I, I can't move off of that. I can't. And I I know that you're here. You've been here a long time. You feel that inside of us. Like, I don't exalt a ministry. I exalt what God is doing on the earth. God is saving people through the underground church in China. I love it. I want what God's doing in their church. God is saving people in Argentina. I want what God's doing there. I don't care what it looks like for me. I just have to see revival and souls saved, healed, and delivered. And I'm not afraid. 
I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of what it looks like. I'm not afraid of <laughs> what mess has come. What, babe? Help me out. What? I'm not afraid of what it requires. I love the song Kyle, Kyle wrote. I don't care what it costs anymore. <laughs> Praise the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. That's how I feel. And if, if, if everyone that's in this room right here would ignite with this passion and this fire, the world would be turned upside down, literally. Your family would be turned upside down. Your, your, your extended family will be turned upside down. How do we get there? We have to break a spirit of fear. So here's what I'm asking. God, I ask that you make a spirit of fear so weird that when we feel it, we say stranger danger. I pray that you would stir up inside of us a, a, a spirit of discernment that comes through your Holy Spirit, that comes from the truth of your word. Stir up a spirit of discernment inside of us that when we feel a spirit of fear, then we come against that spirit. If we feel it rise up inside of us, I ask that we would rise up with the boldness of the spirit you did give us and that we would cast that spirit out. We break the influence of the spirit of fear. And all of its tentacles of control and manipulation and of maneuvering people into what we feel safe with. We break that spirit. It's a religious spirit that comes under the influence of a spirit of fear. It comes with it and we break that religious spirit. Baptize us with love, God. Baptize us with the perfect love that drives out this fear in our lives. God, I ask that as we individually make our stand against the spirit of fear, as we put our feet in the ground and say we will not be moved away from what you've called us to, as we individually do that, God, I ask that it creates a family breakthrough and a corporate breakthrough in the culture, God. We will not tolerate the spirit of fear. We will not tolerate the things that comes with the spirit of fear, a spirit of Jezebel, the spirit of, 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 of constriction and control. We break that, God. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Would you say that with me? God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. Self-control. <laughs> hmm. Would you stand? I want us to join hands across here. I want us to pray into this. <clears throat> like, I, I still feel the, the weight of this. I, I, like, it hasn't gone away. Sometimes when I, when I feel something, it lifts, but I haven't felt it lift. <clears throat> Jesus. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
going to break this, right? Uh, Tilly, would you would you lead prayer? Would you lead it out? Let me give you the mic because the podcast is still going and people are going to want to hear this prayer. Okay. Father, we thank you for grace and mercy. We thank for the word that you brought forth tonight, this afternoon. Father, we, we thank you that our hearts are, are a, a fertile ground for this word. We have received the word and we declare that the word will bear fruit in our hearts. Father, we thank you that this, the spirit of fear is broken and we declare that from today onwards, that spirit doesn't have any place in this house doesn't have any place in any heart, doesn't have any place in any family anymore in Jesus' name. Father, we declare this is a new day. This is a new season for the bridge church, Father. And we thank you. We thank you for what you've done here. Father, we thank you. We are, we are anticipating the fruit of what you've done here tonight, I mean, this afternoon, Lord. Father, we bless you. We know that your word is the truth. Your word is truth. And we thank you that you are almighty, all-powerful God. Father, I thank you that I thank you that every person here right now has received this word, that the spirit of fear doesn't have any place in us, Lord, in Jesus' name, and we don't have, we don't, we don't want any part of it in Jesus' name. In fact, right now we cast it out in Jesus' name. We declare that it's forever gone from us in Jesus' name. Father, we cover this, we cover this with the blood of Jesus, and we seal this truth this afternoon in our hearts right now in Jesus' name. And we declare that, that the truth is implanted in our hearts. We declare the truth, we are pregnant with this truth in Jesus' name. And we thank you for the fruit that is coming forth in Jesus' name. Father, we just say thank you, thank you, thank you for the freedom that you give me this, this afternoon. We thank you that there's freedom in this house right now. And we declare freedom, freedom over the bridge body in Jesus' name. And we just thank you for that freedom in Jesus' name. Amen. So now the fruit is liberty. The fruit of this is liberty. So God, we ask for freedom and liberty to be manifested. You said where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And your spirit lives in us. The same spirit that raised you from the dead is in me, is in us. So God, we ask that we would manifest from the inside out freedom and liberty. God, I pray that we would be people that walk in liberty and walk in freedom. And that as we go, Lord, there will be beggars on the street saying, hey, uh, give me something. And we give them liberty. We give them freedom. We give them encounters with your kingdom. So Father, we ask that, that we would no longer operate in a spirit of fear. But I pray we become so aware of the liberty that you bring with you and that we take it with us. I pray that this liberty affects the atmosphere, that we, wherever we... Wherever we go, whomever we encounter, God, I pray that they would taste and see of the liberty that you have. Uh, Lord, I ask that as we are in this liberty, as we live in freedom, that we would see breakthrough in our community, breakthrough in our families, breakthrough in our schools and our businesses, God. Lord, that that demon-possessed people will be set free, God. That people that are sick in their body will be made whole, Father. That people that have struggled in poverty will be lifted out of poverty, in Jesus' name. Lord, that marriages that are broken will be put back together again, in Jesus' name. Lord, that broken covenants, Lord, that have been made will be restored again. Lord, people that have known you and walked away will remember their covenant they made with you. As we bring this liberty. And God, I ask that it would be like times of refreshing and a breath of fresh air and that what people would be like, what is that? What did I just feel? What did I just experience? And we can preach the gospel to them that Jesus Christ came so that you can be free and we release this freedom to others. Lord, I pray that we would come under the conviction that freedom is not just for me. It's for everyone I know. And that I have a responsibility to release it to them. I have a responsibility to give it to them like a a cup of cold water, Father. 
And Father, in the principalities of the spirit of fear and the spirits of Jezebel and the spirits of, of this constriction, God, we ask right now that you would destroy their places of authority, that you would confuse their communication, God. Hmm. That you would break up their organization right now. Huh. That these powers and principalities, we pull them down. You said you gave us power to trample upon snakes and scorpions, but you said our weapons are also not fleshly weapons, but they're powerful to pull down strongholds. So as we walk, we're dealing with snakes and serpents, but in the second heaven, God, we're pulling down strongholds, thoughts, imaginations, beliefs that are against the knowledge of Christ. We pull them down in our lives, and we do it for those around us, God. We will fear the Lord. Uh, we will fear the Lord. <laughs> In Jesus' name. Make no provisions for fear. I heard the Lord say that. Make no provisions for fear. Cut them out of your schedule. Hmm. Yes, Lord. And last thing, Father, we ask for revival at the bridge. <laughs> Whatever that looks like, whatever expression that takes on, I don't care. I just want to be a part of it. I want to be in the middle of it. I'd, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to do anything else. I mean that, God. Just let me be a part of it. Let us be a part of it. We are a part of it. I declare we are a part of it, God. I am a part of it. Let's do that. That's good. Yes. We will do that the next seven days. Lord, revive me. Stir me into passion. Mm -hmm. 
Thank you, Lord. Father, we ask that you would send your Holy Spirit and seal what you've started and what you've done here. And I pray that we would walk with Holy Spirit. (laughs) And he would cure that spirit of fear. In Jesus' name, amen. We do have communion, so we'll take this time now. Father, we we bless the, the bread and we bless the juice, Lord, that represents your blood. And we remember our covenant with you. And we say yes. Our yes is loud and our yes is permanent, God.